0: Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10:30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Good morning, Christ Community Church. Good ah, come on, come on, come on! Good morning, Christ Community Church. Good All right, that's gooder. Um, I do hope that you'll take advantage of that stuff right now. Media, um, I've been on it. There's some really good stuff on there. Bible studies by Tony Evans and Matt Chandler and Tim Keller and and people like that. So great stuff to uh, to look at there. And it did cost us a pretty penny, but um, we think discipleship and sanctification is is worth it. And like Andrew said, that's all free to you guys. So church paid for it. You can download the app. You'll get a code. You can log on and done, and you've got complete access to it. Um, I apologize ahead of time for a couple things. One is um, we have been running a bit of a skeleton crew. Um, Mom and dad are on vacation. Paula's on vacation celebrating her wedding anniversary. And Megan is in uh, roughing it in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. (laughs) She's actually down there, uh, one of the main speakers at Ecclesia Church, uh, speaking at a women's conference there. And um, one of the fastest growing churches in America, uh, but I, I still a little worried, and would appreciate your prayers uh, because uh, I think you've seen the news, and it doesn't surprise me that we have a drop in in live attendance this week with the COVID spike we've had in this in this area. I am sure that you folks online, there are more of you online than there are here, um, and I understand that. But there have been COVID outbreaks uh, at John MacArthur's church in Los Angeles. There was a um, uh, Bible study conference in Charlotte uh, last week. There was a COVID outbreak there. So if you would pray for Megan's travels and that she come home virus free, that would be appreciated. Uh, I really would appreciate that. You know, uh, I, 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 I never like preaching like this. We, you know, here, we don't determine the sermon topics. I pick the book we're going to go through and we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. That's just what we do. And we preach whatever is there. And this week, it's talking about money and greed. And nobody likes to hear it. And no preacher likes to preach about it. And uh, especially a church that doesn't pass the plate, doesn't believe in health and wealth. Um, But it's here. But before we get there, I need you to understand this. Um, Oh, the other thing I need to apologize is I also don't tell her this. Don't tell Megan. I don't sleep well when she's gone, so I'm on like two hours sleep, so this could be interesting. Um, it may be meandering, but at least it will be short. Um, there is that to keep in mind. But I, I want to confess this to you. When I'm preaching about money and greed and sacrifice this morning, I am preaching to myself as much as I am preaching to you. Because it's just really easy to fall into this. Like, like, Confession time. You ready? Okay. CCC, forgive me for I have sinned, and here we go. Halloween used to be my favorite time of year. Used to be. This used to be my favorite time of year because you get, you know, this time of year you get football, you get cooler weather, which I love because I start sweating when it's 73 degrees, you know. Um, I used to love politics that's changed. Um, And, you know, so this used to be my favorite time of year until we get, you know, COVID and this dumpster fire that is 2020. But I have been, since I was a little kid, a fan of scary movies. Now, I have to say scary movies because my wife reminds me, if I say horror movies, that may not be heard correctly. So scary movies. (laughs) And so, When I was little, I don't know how many of you remember this. Most of you probably aren't old enough or paying attention to it. But when I was like four or five years old in the 70s, we used to have a channel that you could pick up, even with rabbit ears, out of Cleveland, W-U-A-B, out of Cleveland. It was an independent station. And on Saturday afternoons, they had a guy named Superhost. And Superhost, at noon, would start playing Three Stooges shorts. I didn't really care too much for those, but at 1 o'clock... He played monster movies. So Creature from the Black Lagoon and The Wolfman and Dracula and Frankenstein and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. Or Godzilla or whatever. King Kong. And I loved it. I was mesmerized, right? You know, just sitting there, like, picking dry cereal in a box. And just, just ah, and I loved it. And I grew up to just love scary movies. I just I just do. And so... Then, you know, I, I get older, and, and, and then back when I was a lawyer and had, had money, um, back when I was doing that, you know, I would buy DVDs of, like, all my favorite scary movies, and, and this time of year, I would just binge watch them. Even when I was practicing law, I would take Halloween Day off and just, for, like, 12 hours, eat nothing but popcorn and probably down, like, two liter and a half of pop and, you know, and just watch scary movies, well, but then, you know, these boutique factories start popping up, making stuff, limited edition stuff for fans of scary movies. I didn't pay that much attention to it at the time. I thought, oh, I got my DVDs. I just want to watch the movies. And then you get Netflix and Amazon Prime and, and, and so forth. I'm like, oh, I got access to everything. What's the big deal? Well, but then these boutiques started not just offering limited editions, they started buying the license. So you couldn't find this stuff anywhere anymore unless you bought it from them. You can't find it on Amazon anymore. can't find it on Netflix anymore, that kind of stuff. Ugh. So I was like, eh, I don't know. And then I remember very distinctly this company called Shout Factory was offering a limited edition, the ultimate Vincent Price collection. But it was like sixty bucks, and I was like, "Ah, oh, come on! I mean, you know, eh, sixty bucks—that's ridiculous." And then a year later, I thought, "Oh, I want to watch a Vincent Price movie," and forgotten. No, I can't because they bought up all the Vincent Price movies. And so I thought, "Well, wonder how m- I, I bet I can find that, you know, Blu-ray on eBay for you know a used one for at least sixty bucks, maybe fifty, something like that." I go to eBay. It was selling for three hundred and fifty dollars. It's a limited edition. Ultimate Vincent Price collection. So I sit there thinking to myself, self, that's a, that's a good investment right there. <laughs> and so now, if you come to my home, which I don't advise, um, because you know I have a full-time job, plus I'm doing a PhD. Megan has a full-time job, plus she's doing the bold movement. And um, so we're busy. You know, Megan gets home at 6 o'clock, we eat, and then she disappears and works on the bowl movement until 11 o'clock. And so we're busy. And so the house is, you know, clean-ish, you know, kind of thing. And, but if you go into our house and you walk up the stairs, it's a small house, you go up to the stairs, you'll see there are three rooms upstairs. To the right is our bedroom. There is nothing in there but a bed and a dresser. That's it. Because we never go there until it's time to sleep. We just don't pay attention to it. And then if you go straight... That is Megan's, that is the world headquarters of the bold movement. And you can barely get the door open because there's nothing but shirts that say fluff is for pillows, not for women's ministry. Everywhere, and coffee cups, and all this other kind of stuff. And then you go to the left, that's my office. And you go into my office, and there are two shelves of books. Theology, New Testament, Greek, church history, stuff like that. Then you turn to the other wall, and there are werewolf statues and probably a couple hundred horror movies. I know your pastor's weird. You don't have to tell me, but this is, this is my life. And so this week, you still love me, thank you. This week, I, I was getting ready to sit down and, and look at this again. And I, my mind was elsewhere, and I get an email from one of those boutique companies. And it says, you know, prepare for Joe Bob's special on Friday night. If you don't know who Joe Bob is, shame on you. He's a horror movie host. And so prepare for Joe Bob's with this limited edition Joe Bob action figure. Only $20. I thought, wow, i got to have that. That's going to be worth a lot of money. I bought it. Then I sit down, and this is how God works. I open Acts 5, where it's talking about greed and selfishness. And, and what the text was saying beyond the Greek was, Matt, this is the message from the Lord. You're an idiot. <laughs> so there's my confession. Let's get into Acts 5, 1 through 16. Verse 1. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it out and laid it at the apostles' feet. In other words, he sold a property, he said, I'm going to sell this property, I'm going to give the church all the money. And then he said, ooh, I got a lot of money, I'm going to take a little bit here and they can have a little bit there. But Peter said, Ananias, why has, notice this, Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. Notice that. He's not just being sneaky. He's not just being greedy. Peter says, your heart is filled with Satan. That's how seriously God takes this. And notice this too, verse 4. And while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Two things there. One, notice this. The Bible, despite what some people would say, does not teach some kind of forced Jesus socialism. He says, look, it was your property. You do with it what you want. But once you gave your word to God that you were going to do this, now you're obligated. This is Old Testament New Testament. You give your word to God... You'd better keep it. You don't make a vow easily, but if you do, you do it. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. I bet it did. Now, there's this, it still amazes me, as a preacher, I never would have thought this 21 years ago when I went to seminary, that I have to respond to a Facebook meme There's a Facebook meme out there. Why did Peter kill Ananias and Sapphira? Peter did not kill Ananias and Sapphira. Peter did not have that power. God killed Ananias and Sapphira. God has that power. And to any skeptics watching, and again, you can email me, whatever. I'll find time to get back to you. You need to understand this, and this is a hard truth, that unbelievers just have a really difficult time swallowing. The Bible is very clear. God can do with people as he wishes. He owns you. He made you. He owns you. You do not exist unless he creates you. You do not continue to exist unless he wants you to. He owns you. As the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit, wrote, the clay has no right to complain to the potter. It is God who strikes Ananias dead for lying to him. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him immediately. This was, this was a very Jewish thing. Jews did not have, Jews would find the whole concept, ancient Jews would find the whole concept of a funeral home really weird. They believed he was disrespectful. Someone died, you had about an hour to mourn, then get him out of there and bury him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead. They carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all those who heard these things? God did this on purpose. He was trying to teach the early church. And by the way, if you go back and look, like Joshua seven and other places, He did the same in Israel. He said, "In among the people of God, greed has no place." And He also did this to show the all of Jerusalem and us today, God is active in the church blessing and judging. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico, that's in the temple. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem, and more than ever believers were added to the Lord's multitude of both men and women, so that even if they carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. And the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. This was a warning to the church. Then it's a warning to the church now to watch your heart. The temptation for greed is within all of us. Watch your heart so that Satan may not fill it, as it did with Ananias and Sapphira. God will not tolerate greed within church. Now, and we need to understand something, and this is kind of where the rubber meets the road, and this is where some of you, including myself, are going to get a little uncomfortable. When I say greedy, I'm not talking just about Wall Street, billionaires, multimillionaires, Not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this is the problem the church has everywhere. All throughout North America, this is a problem in the church. Barna found surveying evangelical Christians. Evangelical Christians means conservative, Bible-believing Christians. Only 10% considered giving a priority. 10%. That's a problem. Now... Before I go off on this real quickly, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time because I can barely stand anyway, So, but I just want you to know, I'm not talking just about what you tithe to this church. I'm talking about giving, period, whether that's to Samaritan's Purse or International Justice Mission or whatever. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. At the end of the day, here's where I'm going. I'm not just trying to hammer you. I'm trying to get you to see this. According to the Bible, a true Christian, one that has the Holy Spirit within him, and that's what the Bible defines as a true Christian, not someone who just says they're a Christian, someone who has the Holy Spirit. A true Christian will have a giving spirit because they possess the Spirit. And they will do what they have to do To make sure they have the means to do so. You see, one of the things Acts does is it confronts idolatry. Idolatry is anything, anything that you put as a priority above God. You could make your spouse and your kids an idol, you can make your bank account or your investments an idol. You show me your checkbook, I will show you your God. Greed has no place in the church. And here's the problem that I have, and the problem that all people in North America have, is one of the reasons why so many of us are are drowning in debt, not just student loans, maybe credit card debt, whatever. So The reason why so many people are living paycheck to paycheck is this what we deem necessities now have stacked up to cost us a whole lot of cash when i was a little kid in the 70s a necessity the necessities were a warm a home that could keep warm in the winter a car that ran clothes without holes in them, and maybe one TV. That's about it, food. In the 80s, it then became many TVs and cable and many cars. Then in the 90s, it became desktops and dial-up. Then in the 2000s, we added Netflix, Amazon Prime, high-speed Wi-Fi, tablets, phones, laptops, 4K, Blu-ray, on and on and on and on. And what I've got to ask myself, and what you have to ask yourself is, what are truly, what is really a necessity? What can we do without to help those who are truly hurting and in need. It may seem like a little thing that I spent 20 bucks to get this little memento, this limited edition memento, that I'll put up on a bookshelf and it'll sit there collecting dust until I croak and then Jackson will inherit it and he'll hope, then he'll probably sell it on eBay for a lot of money. But anyway, but ask Eddie and Patrick what 20 bucks means in Uganda. Ugh. See, that hurts. And I am not trying to guilt trip you to where you're never going to buy something for, yeah, like, let me get this real clear, Uh, Wives, I'm not saying your husbands do not owe you an anniversary gift, okay? I'm not trying to be a killjoy, nothing like that. And I'm not saying that we necessarily just go and get rid of all this stuff, but I do think what we do need to do is think carefully before we start just stacking, stacking, stacking. Does that make sense? And think very hard about where our money is going. Christians should not be debt-free, should be debt-free, and we should live below our means so that we have the ability to give. Yeah, I look, I understand we've got a building to pay for, we've got utilities to pay for, all that kind of stuff. We've got salaries to pay for, but I'm not trying to guilt trip you into that. Look, I, um, I, my inc- I'm not trying to brag. It's just the fact. I, my income, when I left my last job, my income was cut in half. But I'm still obviously eating, you know. Uh, you know, and I, I don't have, you know, my car's got a hundred and some thousand miles on it. And it squeaks, but, you know, it's an old Honda, but it runs fine. Most Hondas do. And so I, I'm fine, but I, I, I will tell you this. When COVID is over, and I don't know when that is going to be, and nobody does either. Uh, no politician does. Nobody knows when this whole thing is finally, when, you know, enough people are vaccinated or there's a herd immunity or whatever. Nobody knows. But when it's all done, we're going to have to rebuild this church. And, and every church will have to rebuild because every church has been hurt by this. And even if we get back to where, you know, 20 years ago when mom and dad retired, this church went from 500 people to 1,200 people within just a few years, it just blew up. And that's a testament to, to their hard work. But even if we get back to those numbers, I promise you this in most churches of over eight, according to the surveys, Churches of over 800 people, and before COVID, we were running about 600. But in churches 800 and over, the senior pastor is usually paid six figures. Well, I'm not paid six figures. I will never take a six-figure salary from this place. And this ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. If I need money, that's on me. That means I've done something wrong. All of us have to learn to live below our means so we can help. Because God has made it very clear, we are supposed to care for the less fortunate, but first of all, the less fortunate here among us in our Christian community and among our family, our church family. And so we should be able to do that, and we often do do that. You guys don't know how often we've paid people's rent and so forth and people who attend here. And, and we're happy to do that. Now, we, we're not dumb about it. We're not naive. If, if somebody comes back to us, like, month after month after month, we're like, you know, at some point, Dad goes, sit down, show me your budget. Right? Let's just work this out. And so, but we are called to do that. And I believe that we are also called when we can. This is what Paul says. Paul says, when you can help anyone, but primarily the church. And so we need to be able to give to help people. And that's, that can be sticky. Let me, let me just point this out to you. I learned the hard way. Here's another Matt's an Idiot story. Um, I learned this the hard way. Back in 2008, I helped uh, a couple guys launch a ministry called Revolution. Its goal was to reach young people who weren't being reached by this church, the 16 to 26-year-old kind of age range. And so we were doing that, and of course, young people really want to do something. They want to be active, and we're like, okay, what should we do? And I'm like, well, you know, and I used to give people money on the street. If I saw somebody begging, here's $5 or here's a couple bucks or whatever. Then somebody at the church gave me a book, and this is a little book, but it's worth reading. It's called Under the Overpass. It's about two college students from Westmont College, which is a Christian college out in Santa Barbara, California. They wanted to help with homelessness, but they didn't know what to do. So they decided, in order to learn about the homeless problem, they would become homeless. So they literally walked off campus into downtown L.A. with only the clothes on their back, no money, no credit cards, nothing. And they lived among the homeless in Los Angeles for months and months and months. And they begged to live. And at the end of that book, they, they, they tell all kinds of stories, but they say this. Now, this is not, this is not coming for me. This is, this is guys who lived, you know, outdoors in L.A. for months. They said, never, ever, ever give a homeless person money. They said, more than 90% of the people that we got to know to eat with, sleep with, so forth, were addicts of some kind. And you never give an addict Cash. So I read that book, and I thought, okay, I've been an idiot again, but we need to do something. What do we do? So here, here was my next bright idea. Spoiler alert, it didn't end well. My bright idea was I'll buy gift cards to Subway. That way, they can just the only thing they can use it for is go get something to eat. And then a cop who was a friend of mine, about a week later, said, "Matt, you realize they're selling that for dr- they're selling that for money to get drugs." And I'm like, "Oh, great." <sighs> um, so I had to learn the hard way. So I learned that the best way to do this is to do something like Tom and Becky Graciel did before. For some reason, they made them they made them the place that they were hosting them stop doing it. Which is that Tom and Becky Graciel, um, who come here, probably watching online, used to have this thing called the Father's Table. They would feed the homeless three times a week. And they didn't just feed them. They, well, you come in, you get a hot meal, free of charge, you sit down. But one of the things you have to hear is a presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I would go every Friday, and I would give that presentation on the Friday night dinners. And... That's the kind of, that's how you do it. That's really how you do it. Developing relationships with people while feeding them and sharing the gospel with them. That's how you do it. That's just how you do it. And we all should be able to have the means to do that, but many of you don't. I don't have as much as I should either. You know, Megan's got student loans and all that other kind of stuff. But We should. We should work at it. We should work at being there. It's hard, but here's the thing that I've noticed about generous, godly people. People who give in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is not the reason you should do it. God blesses them. He does. So I'm not saying, but God knows the heart. So if you're saying, oh, if I give, it's an investment. And God's going to give me so much percentage back. No, it's not what I'm saying. God knows the heart. And if you're trusting him and giving in his name out of love for God, he will bless you. I'd never heard of this guy before before last week. There's a guy named R.G. Letourneau. Never heard of him. Came from a poor family. But he had a genius mind. And he had, when he died, 300 patents, and it made him a wealthy man. But he only lived on 10% of his income. He gave 90% away to missions and homeless shelters and, and so forth. And he said this. He goes, I love this quote, I shovel out the money, and God shovels it back, but God has a bigger shovel. I've seen that happen with my parents. My parents, I'll, I'll brag on them because they're gone, and and, and yeah, you know, they won't be back till till next week. They're getting a much needed vacation. Um, well, mom's getting a vacation. Dad likes being at the beach about as much as I like watching Hallmark movies. Um, he hates it. In it was funny because at staff meeting before they left, he came up to me, he said, "Hey," he said. Um, the preaching schedule. I said, yeah, because I'm having to preach this weekend and next weekend because they're not getting back to a late Saturday night. And so he said, um, what do you, do? You wanna, do you want to do? Do you want me to preach that third weekend and go back to regular schedule? I said, dad, what are you asking? He said, well, do you want me to preach two weeks in a row? I said, dad, do you, wanna, do you want to preach two weeks in a row? And he looked at me and said, Matt, for a week, I will have nothing to do. I said, "You preach two weeks in a row, give you something to do, that's fine. Um, But my my parents have always been very generous. When I was little, we didn't have much money. In the 70s, we just didn't have much money. I I remember my mom crying because she she thought she had budgeted everything down and we were going to be just fine. And then she got the notice that school photos were coming and she forgot about it. And she cried because we just didn't have the money for it. It was in the 70s. But then, you know, they went into the corporate world in the 80s and 90s. And God blessed them, they worked very hard, and they did very well for themselves. But they were always very, very generous. And things that you guys never saw. I remember riding in their back seat, and they were talking, and it was a terrible situation. This was many, many years ago. It was a terrible situation. Guy had abandoned his wife, and the wife was a homemaker. She didn't have a job, didn't know how to pay the bills, had kids. And they didn't think I was paying any attention, because usually I didn't. And they were talking, and dad said, Well, what'd you do? And mom said, Well, I I paid her rent, got her groceries, and paid her utilities. And dad said, Okay, okay, good. And they would do that all the time, and they just got more and more money when they do it. And they weren't asking for that. Dad tries to give me stock picks all the time. I never take them because I'm guaranteed he's just lucky. He's just being blessed. But this is what happens to a person who truly has a giving spirit from the Lord because they love God. And giving, sacrificial giving in the name of Jesus can have an incredible impact now and eternally. I, I'll tell you this story and then I'll quit. I read this story, another story I never heard until about a week ago. Man born overseas, I believe Scotland. And he came to the United States in the 1920s, in the roaring 20s, to attend seminary and to become a minister. He ended up staying, and he took over a large church outside of New Orleans. The Great Depression hits. Most people are out of work. And one day, he's in a small grocery store, and there's a man in front of him, and the man is looking at the groceries, and he's looking at his cash, and he's looking at his groceries, and the pastor realized he doesn't have enough money. So he walked up behind him, and he said, Sir, don't turn around. I'm going to hand you $5. I want you to take it and buy your groceries And just know Jesus loves you. The man bought the groceries. He didn't turn around. And he walked out. Years later, this pastor is preaching at one of his friend's churches in another part of New Orleans. And he preaches the sermon. And he finishes. And he goes down and talking to people. And a guy walks up and he said, sir, you won't remember this. Years ago when the Depression hit, I lost my job. I couldn't find a job. We were evicted from our home. I had a wife, and two kids. We had no food, no prospects, no relatives, nothing. My wife and I had decided to commit suicide. But my son and daughter were hungry, and we decided maybe we'd take the last few dollars we had and buy them one last meal. I asked my children what they wanted. I went into the grocery store, only to realize I was a few dollars short. And a voice behind me said, don't turn around. Take this $5 bill. Pay for your groceries. And just know, Jesus loves you. I paid for the groceries. And I drove to a spot because we only had a car where we decided to eat the meal and then kill each other. But as our children ate, and that voice resonated in my ears, I decided, I just don't know if I can do it. My wife and I were both crying. And I put the pistol away, drove off just hoping we'd find something. And the first thing I saw when I pulled out of that field was a little church And on the sign it said, Jesus loves you. He said, I pulled into that church. I talked to the pastor. We gave our lives to the Lord that day. And the church helped us find a place to stay and fed us until I could find a job. He said, sitting here today listening to you preach, listening to your accent and your voice, I know it was you. He said, I want you to know you saved our lives that day. Now and eternally. That's the impact it can have. To Give in the name of Jesus Christ. But you have to have the ability to do it. Let's pray. Father God, Forgive us all, myself, the chief of sinners, for cluttering our lives with things we barely use, paying for things we don't use, racking up credit card debt. Help us, Father, to remember those who are truly in need, that we are called to give, to have a giving heart, to give out of love. Out of love for you and what you've done on the cross for us. Help us to remind all of us that we make wiser decisions, break our hearts, help us to help others in your name. Not that we would get the credit or this church would get the credit, but that you would get the credit. And that through that giving, people would have not just a better life now, but an eternal one. I pray this in Jesus' holy, precious name. God bless you. God goes with you. Please pray for Megan on her way home. I'm going to take a nap. See you. (laughs) Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 1030 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.